0: Hi, welcome to another episode of Shades of Us, the review. I am Ramat. So when I started Shades of Us, the idea with the review was always to share my thoughts about music, movies, books, albums, and other bodies of art by Africans and people of African descent. But I never really got around to reviewing a book for some reason or the other. Today, I'm going to review my first book. And what better book to start with than Born on a Tuesday by L. Nathan or El Nathan John. Okay, so let us start with some facts about the book and the author. As usual, we start with some facts about the author. I got this off of Goodreads and El Nathan is a writer and lawyer living in spaces between Nigeria and Germany. His works have appeared in Hazlitt, Contra, Le Monde Diplomatique, Financial Times, and the Kane Prize for African Writing Anthology for 2013, 2014, 2015, and 2016. He writes weekly political satire for the Nigerian newspaper Daily Trust on Sunday and any other publication that pays him. I'm sure Elnathan is the one who wrote this bio about himself. I don't know if he still does the weekly satire piece for Daily Trust. I used to read all of that um, earlier on, but I don't think he still does that or maybe because i have a bias against daily trust right now so i'm not really checking out for a lot of your content el natin says that except you're the new yorker he considers it violence of unimaginable proportions to ask him to write for free and if you follow him on twitter which i do you realize that he is constantly talking about the fact that he's not doing any work for free he doesn't like anything for free and I understand, I mean, it is important that people are paid for their art, people are paid for their work and it was so honorable for me to buy his book because I really loved what I'd read in his satire pieces and of course I had to read his book, buy his book and read it and he goes on to say he has never won anything which is funny for me, he says that the record was almost disrupted by the Kane Prize when they accidentally allowed his story on the short list in 2013 and again in 2015. And of course, both times he did not win. (laughs) 100% 100% sure he wrote this as a form of, you know, in-your-face to publishers and to festivals and the likes. But you know, I'm going to move on. El Natan has been shortlisted and longlisted for a few other prizes for his content with the position as a serial finalist. <laughs> in his words, it is kind of like being a best man at a wedding. You get to attend the ceremony, but you can get drunk, sneak off, and hook up without anyone noticing because, after all, you're not the groom. <laughs> I love the fact that he said in 2008 after being lied to by friends and admirers about the quality of his work, he hastily self-published an embarrassing collection of short stories, which has thankfully gone out of print. Uh, he hopes to never repeat that foolish mistake again. <laughs> I think I would <laughs> say that collection of short stories. El Nathan is really good. I love how well he writes, how well he communicates his thoughts. I like that he doesn't hold his punches when he doesn't need to hold his punches. And um, I like the fact that he's Able to talk about empathy, so I don't think his book would have been embarrassing. I'd have loved to see that. Um, his novel Born on a Tuesday was published in Nigeria in two thousand and fifteen, the UK and the US in two thousand and sixteen, and was available in German in two thousand and seventeen. Now El Nathan said he's touchy about his skin and his man boobs, and isn't bold enough to grow hair, mostly because he's balding. Yeah, he's actually like fully bald now, and um, it's a look that actually looks good on him i like it when he's doing those his pictures on twitter and he's talking you know about his look and all of that he looks really fresh and clean and it brings me to the next point where he said one of his goals is to get to the weight below his weight as at that time as the time this was written of 100 kg and losing his fast growing bare belly he looks really trim right now and from the pictures that i've seen he looks really trim it seems like he actually put in the work to get what he wanted concerning his weight and he's getting there as Sometimes I worry about how quickly he seems to be losing weight. But if he is fine with it, who am I to have any thoughts about it? Now let's look at some of the facts about the book. From two-time King Prize finalist El Nathan John, a dynamic young voice from Nigeria, uh, Born on a Tuesday, is starkly rendered first novel about a young boy struggling to find his place in a society that is fracturing along religious and political lines. It's a paperback. I have the paperback right here with me. It's 256 pages for some. Mine is a bit longer. I think mine is 261 pages, right? Um, It was published May 3rd, 2016 by Grove Press and Black Cat when it was first published in 2015. The original title is Born on a Tuesday and it has maintained its title. So it has two international standard book number, which we call the ISBN. Um, They're so long, I can't be bothered to read it. And most likely we wouldn't even remember it. It's only El Natan and his publishers who care about that. I'm glad that this was done in English, the book. And it's won a couple of literary awards. It's won the Huston Wright Legacy Award nominee for debut film in 2017, the Betty Trask Award in 2017, and the Republic of Consciousness Prize nominee in 2017. So he was nominated twice and won once. So I want to look at the critical review for the book. On Goodreads, with an average of um, 1,157 ratings and 199 reviews, it had an average rating of 404 Out of 5, and on Amazon it had an average rating of 4.7 out of 5 with 83 ratings. I think that generally people think that the book is a good book and I'm not surprised that they do think it's a good book. I mean, if you read it and follow the style and follow the story, it is so appealing. It pulls you in. You can feel almost all of the emotions of Dantela, who is the the lead character and things that he has to go through in his life. So I'm going to take a couple of reviews that I saw um, about the book. Uh, This is from Fiametta Rocco from New York Times Book Review. And the person said, open quote, John has produced a thoughtful, nuanced first novel. Employing a style that is as unadorned as it is unflinching. His restraint in handling difficult material is just one of his many gifts. And Born on a Tuesday brings home the reality of what is happening in northern Nigeria. With a power, the news reports of Boko Haram atrocities. Can't adequately project. El Martin John is a writer to watch. Close quote. I completely agree with this review. The next one I'm going to look at is from Leila Abulela, the author of Millions and A Year in Reading. She said, open quote, an impressive debut. I was carried along by the endearing voice of the young, sensitive narrator, his instinctive goodness and intelligence in making sense and finding beauty in the brutality, poverty, and oppression surrounding him. The novel manages to pull off two aims at the same time, giving the reader a sophisticated understanding of contemporary Nigerian politics and the pleasure of a tender and classy coming-of-age story, close Yes, the entire book is just a coming-of-age story, but unlike most of the coming-of-age stories that we see, this one is painful. It is sad. And I am not letting anything out of the bag, right? But it is such a sorrowful story. You begin to wonder, oh, does anybody deserve to go through this much pain in such a young life? You can't help but wonder um, about that sadness in the story. The last... Review I'm going to take is from Bookish for the Spring 2016 Fiction Preview. And it says, open quote, wrenching. This is one heck of a debut novel, and we are confident you will be moved. I was moved. I was so touched. There were times I was crying. I was completely out of it. There were times I had to drop the book because I just couldn't continue. I was so raw. My emotions were all out there. I felt every pain, every emotion that Dantala was feeling and oh look, I'm just going to relax and not jump ahead of myself and let me look at what the storyline is, yeah? In far northwestern Nigeria, Dantala lives among a gang of street boys who sleep under a kuka tree. During the election, the boys are paid by the small party to cost trouble. When the attempt to burn down the opposition's local headquarters ends in disaster, Dan Tala must run for his life, leaving his best friend behind. Oh, Banda. But let me continue. He makes his way to a mosque that provides him with food, shelter, and guidance. With his quick aptitude and modest nature, Dantala becomes a favored apprentice to the mosque's sheikh. Before long, he is faced with a terrible conflict of loyalties as one of the sheikh's closest advisors begin to raise his own radical movement. When bloodshed erupts in the city around him, Dantala must decide what kind of Muslim and what kind of man he wants to be. Told in Dantala's naive, searching voice, this astonishing debut explores the way in which young men are seduced by religious fundamentalism and violence. So having said all of this, I need to talk about some of my favorite moments from the book. I think for me, the entire book is something that I loved. I followed through all of the stories, all of the moments, the sadness, the seduction of Dantala to go into fundamentalism. And it was sad, completely, completely sad. And I have to now mention a couple of places that may not necessarily are like my favorite part of it, but because they tell a part of the story that is important to me. So I'm going to look at them. The first one I'm going to look at is Dantala's first experience with loss and loss in terms of someone close to him. So I'm going to be reading from part one, by and Lai, pages 16 to 17. At first, we make a distinction between shops belonging to big party people and those belonging to small party people. But as we become thirsty and hungry, we just break into any shop we see. As the crowd moves beyond Bayen Lai, they are stopped by the sound of gunfire ahead. I am so far behind taking a piece and I see the crowd running back two police vans are heading this way and they are firing into the air as they get closer the policemen get out and start firing into the crowd as i see the first person go down i turn and run i look back for banda he is not running he is bent over coughing holding his chest i stop banda get up i scream crouching behind a low fence Everyone is running past him and the police kept shooting. He tries runs feebly and stops again They are getting closer Banda has to get up now. I want to run. I want to hope his amulet will work But I linger a bit. He gets up again and starts to run Then he falls flat on his face like someone hit him from behind He is not moving. So this was Dantala having to lose his friend, Banda. Even though Banda was obviously a terrible person, but then you look at the situations around Banda's growth and then you understand that a lot of it contributed to who he became. And that bloodlust was not something that maybe came naturally to him. It came as a result of the situation that he found himself. So it's a theme I looked at and why I wanted to talk about it because it was a showing that, you know, someone can be bad and you can still feel sad for them because they die, right? And in this case, Dantella wasn't looking at Banda as a bad person. He just saw him as a friend and it was his first experience yes they had been killing people but it was his first experience at loss because this time this loss was someone that was close to him my next favorite thing to talk about is dantala's first sexual awakening i'll take a reading from part two uh back to sokoto from pages 62 to 63. when he finally finished his speech and let go of my shoulder i walked away quickly I felt dirty as I sat on the far edge of the culvert near the taps in front of the mosque. I struggled to block out all the images flying through my head. Good thoughts clashing with bad thoughts, clashing with guilty thoughts, chasing each other until I felt dizzy. My balls felt swollen and painful. I wish I could just cut off the whole damn thing. So here we see Dantela explore his sexuality, like there's a sexual awakening in um, his life, and he is attracted, in this case, to boys. The way El Nerton wrote this part was that you could almost imagine him having those awakening or those sexual tension with boys. And it wasn't like it was wrong. It was just his curious face. This was still a very young boy, um, still trying to find himself, still trying to understand what was good or bad and and what was acceptable or not acceptable. But then he had that understanding that in his community it was unacceptable for boys to have those feelings for other boys. So it was something he wanted to hide. So he built guilt in his body. He built shame for him that in other communities would have been an open an awakening for him, right? But it was something he wanted to tone down. So it was a theme that I really liked exploring his sexuality. He finally got to be aroused by women, but could it have been because he felt it was bad to be aroused by men? Or it was that he's, sexuality was actually fluid and he was just discovering himself. So there are things like that I wanted to look at in the book. So that was the question that came to my head when i have been reading of his sexual awakening. Now, the last thing I absolutely like is the writing style, especially when Dantala was writing his thoughts and the new words that he had learned in his journal. So I'm going to take a reading from part three, my words. Anthropology from pages 162 to 163. Anthropology, one, the study of humankind in particular. Two, open bracket, also cultural or social anthropology, close bracket, the comparative study of human societies and cultures and their development. Three, open bracket, also physical anthropology, close bracket, the science of human zoology, evolution and ecology. In Scratch That, on the back of the new book, Baba of Karo, that Sheikh have allowed me to open, it says that it is anthropology. I have read almost to the end of this book and to me I am just thinking that it is a woman telling all these stories, scratch that, stories of her life I don't know why they have used the big word anthropology when it is just a story. I like the book but if it is me, I will call the book Life Story of Baba of Karo. Maybe this Baba of Karo is telling lies or maybe it is old people of these days that is telling lies, I don't know. But every time old people is saying that before people is not doing bad bad things that it is watching bad things on TV that is making people do bad things but the bad things that Baba of Caro is writing that men and women are doing before before I cannot even try it now, but maybe the old people don't want us to know the bad things they are doing when they are small. I am happy that people are not catching other people as slaves the way Baba of Caro say they used to do before among Hausa people. Now, when you see the way that Dan Tala was writing in his journal, you could see from the first time he wrote to the very last time he wrote, you could see that there was such an improvement in his English. He was self-taught. He was learning by himself and he, he was learning because he was excited about new words that he found in other books like this one, Anthropology. And so he was able to pick the word, write out the dictionary meaning, and then write out what he thought about the word and things like that. And you could see that he was growing. He was learning for himself that Life threw him a lot of lemons, but he wanted to learn. He wanted to improve himself. He he didn't want to be that person. And this is one of the areas where you see the, what do you call it, the clash between the yin and the yang, where he's constantly trying to seek his good and to minimize his bad. And he was just trying. And you could tell that he had this inherent goodness in him, which is something I absolutely loved about Dantala. What is the thing that I don't like about this book? The end. Oh my God. God. Now, it's not because the end is bad. It's not because it was poorly written, but because I really wanted Dantala to catch a break. And to be honest, I have tears in my eyes right now as I'm thinking of this book. And okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a part of the end, part five, Black Spirits from pages 260 to 261. Subhanallah. Alhamdulillah. Allahu Akbar. In charcoal, at the bottom right corner on the wall opposite the door, there are words and tiny scribbles. I came back for you. They said you were dead, but I didn't believe. I will come back again, inshallah. He does not write his name. He knows I will know. I am light-hearted. I heave a sigh. My heart tells me he is okay. Jibril is okay. I stretch out on the cool concrete floor. Time slows down again. I think of all the things I must do. Cut my hair, wash with hot water, start writing out my story, then take a bus and go wherever it is headed. This was such a sad sad end for me because of the things that led up to this because i didn't want to put out spoilers that's why i didn't talk about it but this was such a sad sad end i really wanted dantala to catch a break i wanted his life to improve i wanted him to find love to find happiness to find a reason to move on away from first his family that broke him second the religious centers that broke him third the society that completely ruined his life. Fourth, the government that didn't make provisions to ensure that he was not lost to the system. Five, the military that broke him for things that he wasn't even guilty of. I, I really wanted him to catch a break. So the end for me was like, Oh, He's never gonna get a happy life. Like, is that even a possibility for many people like Dantala? While this is fiction, the book gave me an insight into the life of a regular boy whose life is turned upside down because of a series of unfortunate things that happened from his birth until he became who he is. Now, life's lemons for Dantala were so unfair and, in many instances, cruel. And when he tried to do good, it seemed like the life mocked him some more and beat him down even more. The book remains reminded me that there are many facets to a person's life, even those who seem to be bad by uh, some definition. People like Banda, like Gobe Danisa, and the realization that children are susceptible to terrible adult influences because of the direct and ripple effects of poverty. There are many times I cried for Dantala for the life he could have had if he had one thing that was different about the circumstances of his life. Such a pained existence that he lived. I think Elnathan wrote this book in a way that was so clear. I could feel all the feelings of Dantala, from his fears to his sadness to his arousal, even in cases when his arousal were for other men. Elnathan's use of words can only be described As glorious, and I will definitely recommend Born on a Tuesday. I'm going to rate this book a nine over ten. But that is my opinion. What do you think about Born on a Tuesday? Do you like the book? What are your favorite and least favorite parts of the book? Please share your views with me in the comment section, and um, let's discuss this. Let's look at the broad themes of the book and share our thoughts about it. Please remember that you can select the book that I would review next week and I will definitely jump on it for you. That's about it on the show. Please listen to the end of this podcast to find out ways to contact me and don't forget to tune in every Tuesdays, Thursdays and Saturdays at 1.05pm West African time across our platforms. It's hugs and kisses from Ramat. That's a wrap on today's podcast. Like us on Facebook and LinkedIn at Shades of Us, or you could follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Shades of Us Media. Tell us any song, album, movie, or series you think will make for a great review by sending an email to shadesofusafrica at gmail.com or a WhatsApp message to plus 234-905-912-7552. Thanks for listening. Bye.